God's word in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 17, says, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And now in the verses we're going to look at, specifically verse 25, he's going to start to lay out, well, what does it look like to put off sin? What does it look like to be made in the image of God, to live that off, live that out? He says in verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Lord, as we noted at the beginning of the service, you always speak the truth. And so, Lord, would your truth shine through in this sermon? May we hear you as we seek to understand your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, sometimes the things that appear easiest in life are actually quite hard. We say that's easy as pie, but if you've ever tried to make a pie, it's not as easy as it looks. And the command, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, seems so easy. All we have to, not, all we have to do is just not lie and speak the truth. Yet we all know, just like pie, it's not so easy to do. We have a hard time telling the truth. And we often think that others are lying to us. Currently, 72% of Americans believe that the media lies to us. 50%, 56% of Americans don't trust our own government. And yet the very thing that God calls the Ephesians and us to do, since we're new creatures, is to speak the truth. As saved people who are renewed in the image of God who always speaks the truth, we should speak the truth to one another. You know, verse 25 is encouraging us that if we want to build up God's body, we need to speak the truth to one another. As we look at this verse, we're going to look at three things. First, there's the vice of lying. Then there's the virtue of truth. And then there's the victims. And that is the community. But first, the vice, lying. Well, what is lying? Well, it kind of seems obvious until you try and nail it down. Is a lie when you don't tell the truth? Well, if you're in math class and your teacher says, what's the area of a square with sides of six inches? 
And you raise your hand and say 24 because you multiply by 4. And the teacher says, well, no, that's the perimeter. Did you lie? Did you do something immoral? Well, no, you did say something that was untrue, but it's a mistake. It's not a sin to mess up on a math calculation. So what is lying? Lying is an intentional attempt to deceive, which often leads to others' harm. Before we get to that, though, there's four things that often get mistaken for lying, which are not. First, jokes are not factually true. But they are not lies because the other person knows you're not trying to deceive them. If I say Chuck Norris has a diary, it's called the Guinness Book of World Records, no one thinks that's actually true. Joking, now, of course, that doesn't mean you say anything. It should have parameters because you've probably heard the saying and you've noted that many a truth is said in jest. They say something, oh, I was just joking. People will sometimes say extremely rude, biting things, and then go, oh, I'm just joking. Proverbs 26, 18 through 19 says, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. So I'm not saying all joking is fine, but to tell a joke, you don't need to have your conscience burden that you're lying. Well, second, telling stories is not lying because the audience knows you're dealing in the realm of fiction, not fact. You know, Jesus told parables, events that really didn't happen in life. Now, you may think, boy, he is really going off on some unimportant side things. And yet, I've known Christians whose consciences are tighter than Scripture binds them to be. And they're like, well, I don't know if we should read fiction, because that's not true. Well, there's fiction in the Bible. Jokes are fine. Well, third, it's not teaching your children to lie by teaching them to be socially polite. When you get ready to go to Grandma's house for Christmas, and in the car you say, Whatever grandma gives you, I want you to look her in the eye and say, thank you, grandma, for this present. You're not teaching your child to lie. You're teaching them how to be kind, how to be loving. If your wife walks in and says, honey, do these jeans make my butt look big? Well, now we're talking about preservation of life, and we're off the topic of lying. There are ways to answer questions in a way that is not scientifically accurate but are not lying. How does my hair look? Well, to be honest, it looks like a poorly made bird's nest. Might be true, but that's not socially polite. You can say things in a way that are not scientifically factual, but are still honest. Now, my point is not that you can be mannerly and say anything and even lie. I'm saying there's nothing wrong with teaching your children how to be courteous and gentle and know how to express something that's true but without the harsh edges. Well, fourth, it's not lying to plan surprise parties and conceal it from the other person. You know, if you want to give your friend, your family member, a surprise birthday party, sometimes you have to do things to deceive them. You say, hey, we're going to go out with these people, and then you start come back, oh, I forgot something at the house. Your conscience doesn't need to be burdened. Now, if they press you, Yes, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I was trying to throw you a surprise party, but you've ruined it. But we can have surprises. Lying is an intentional attempt to deceive, often for their harm. So let's consider four ways we often do lie. And the first is that we should put away the falsehood of omitting essential facts. 
This is when we are less than forthright. You can read this in Genesis 12, Genesis 20, where Abraham tells Sarah and then tells other people, hey, Sarah is my sister. Well, that is true, but Sarah was also his wife. Leaving that essential fact was lying. And we know how this happens. Your parents come home and they say, did you watch any TV while I was gone? And you say, no, and you're thinking, I watched a tablet. Okay, they didn't say the right device, but you know what they were asking. I've shared before the story of the Navy captain who wrote in his ship's log, first mate was drunk last night. A few days later, the first mate wrote in the log, the captain was sober today. Well, that was true, but by omitting the other essential facts that the captain was sober every day, he portrayed a lie. And so, we need to be very careful because we often omit facts and say, well, I only told the truth. J.I. Packer said it correctly, a half-truth masquerading as the whole truth becomes a complete untruth. And so we need to put away the falsehood of omitting essential facts. The second way we should put away falsehood is flattery. Proverbs twenty-six twenty-eight: a lying tongue hates its victims, and flattering mouths work ruin. You know, flattering is when we say something to someone's face that we would never say behind their back. It's basically the opposite of gossip. We praise their work, and then when they leave, we're like, man, they always do such shoddy work. Oh, we tell them, oh, I love your new outfit. It's so cute. And then when they leave, they're like, that thing is ugly. You know, Proverbs 29.5 says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. You know, this not only is flattery lying, it's destructive. You know, your coworker comes to you and says, hey, I, there's this thing I got to do and I want to do it this way. And you're like, oh, that's so wonderful. And you're like, that's never going to work. Well, you spread a net for their feet because they're either going to go try and do it or they're going to tell others and then they're going to be shamed. You know, sometimes our flattery spreads a net for our own feet. You go to a relative's house, they make a meal, and you can barely stand it, but then you go on and on, oh, this is just the, my favorite meal, I just, oh, so good. Well, then the next time you show up, you know what happens? I know how much you love this last time, so I made it for you again. And you're thinking, why did I ever say that? You know, now, I'm not saying, again, that we need to go back to scientific precision. This is the worst meal I've ever eaten. You can... Be socially polite, but when you flatter, you are spreading a net. So we must put away the falsehood of flattery. Well, third, we should put away the falsehood of deception in buying and advertising. Proverbs twenty fourteen, bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away again, he boasts. The flip side is hiding things when you're trying to sell them. Now, when you're advertising, you don't need to put out all the problems of your house or your car, but if you purposefully try to conceal problems that you know are wrong, that's not only lying in the state of Texas, it's illegal. You know, advertising presents things in an artificial light. You know, we see this every day. You're driving down the highway and you see that billboard and there's that big juicy burger with the condiments on it just right and everything looks perfect and as your mouth waters, you go in, you order it and then you open it up and this is a tiny little burnt cube 
that's got condiments smeared over it, and you're like, this is nothing like what I saw. And so we often lie in the way we buy or advertise. Well, fourth and lastly, we need to put away the falsehood of outright lies. Now, this is what we often think of when we say lying. We think, oh, when you say something, that's 100% the opposite of reality. And yet all of these, whether it's omitting facts, flattery, or advertising in a deceptive way, they're all lying. But here, this is when you declare something to be true when it's not. It's when you put on your resume an experience or a job that you didn't really have. It's saying you remembered your anniversary when, in fact, you honestly didn't. It's saying you didn't eat the cookie when you did. Proverbs 12:22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. You know, Christians, were often quick to say certain sins are an abomination to God. But we need to be honest to state that lying is an abomination to God, just like any sexual sin might be. You know, one time I purchased a vehicle from another Christian. And as we were getting ready to transfer the title, writing everything down, he said to me, do you want me to put down what you actually paid for it? Implication, I can put less. You go down to the title company or the county courthouse, and what are they going to do? Charge me less taxes. Well, that is lying. And yet this was another Christian. And God hates our fudging on documents, our shading of the story, our making excuses to get out of our word, and telling white lies. God says all of those are an abomination in his sight. You know, we must hate what God hates and not be selective in what we say are sins. Thus, even if we're not swearing in at court, we must tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Proverbs 19.1 says, Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. You know, here it's saying we should value our word. We should value our integrity of truthfulness more than even wealth. You know, sometimes the truth is going to be unpopular. Sometimes the truth will cost you your job. I read once of a man who manufactured boats for the Navy. And it was time for the guy who comes around and does inspection to come look at his boats and his manufacturing plan. He came in and he made clear, for me to give you a passing inspection, you're going to need to give me a payout. And yet the owner of the company was a Christian. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pay you for something that's not true. Either pass me or fail me. And the man said, well, you're going to fail. And the guy said, well, you know, I did everything I should. And so he had a choice. Risk his company, risk all of his employees losing their jobs, or tell the truth. And we all would say, well, no one's going to know. I mean, it's just a little money. Think how much more you'll make if you just throw them a couple hundreds. And it's not just in big things like that. Something happens at work, you might get in trouble, and the person next to you says, look, no one's going to know. Let's just cover it up. Let's just keep going. It's just going to be a hassle if we let them know anyways. However, Proverbs 19.5 declares, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Be sure your sins will find you out. You may get away with your deception and your lies for years, but God knows and sees all. 
One day, we will give an account for every omitting of facts, every flattery, every false advertising, and every outright lying. And it, we have to be really careful, because in our society, it's easy to lie about people and not even know about it. You know, not every story on the internet is true. And people, whether they're the strongest Republican or the strongest Democrat or any other shade between or farther, they make up lies. And we retweet, we repost. And when we haven't done the due diligence to go, is this really true? You know, as Christians, we should be people of truth, and everything we share, we should be convinced, I am only sharing what is true. So that leads to the second thing. Not only are we to avoid lies, we are to speak the truth. And so that's the second point. The virtue is truth. And the call to speak truth with our neighbor is not surprising, since God always tells the truth. We read at the beginning, Numbers twenty-three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie. You know, this is great news, because if God ever did lie, then we couldn't trust anything else he said. And God doesn't just have days or years or decades or centuries of always keeping his word. He has millennia. He has an eternity of faithfulness by which we can trust his word. You can trust God. You can trust his word. Everything he said will happen. It's going to happen. Every promise he's made, it's going to come true. And it's because of God's utter truthfulness that we believe in absolute truth. Now, we may not always know it, but there are some things that are absolutely true, not just relative to a certain culture, time, or people. You know, God is the standard of truthfulness, and thus we know things are absolutely true. You know, everything objective has a standard. Right now, if we were unsure of the time, we would go to the standard. We would go to the observatory in Greenwich, London, and we could measure is our time in with the standard of time. Thus, if someone chooses to be so-called true to themselves, and it's not true to what God desires, then they aren't, in fact, being true. That would be like a watch saying it's on time because it checked with itself. Well, you can't check the objectivity of truth with the very thing that needs to be checked. Truthfulness always has a standard. And the standard for truth is God. So we're called to be true to God. And if that means we must deny ourselves, then we must deny ourselves to be true to the standard. And in this letter, we've been reminded of the truth of God's word and how we should speak it. Flip back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 where it says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, were believed in Him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You know, when we talk about the gospel of Jesus, we're not talking about a good myth, a wonderful fable, a way that Galilean fishermen came to understand God. No, we are talking about the truth of the man from Nazareth, who had eternally been God before he came in the flesh. And if you flip back to Ephesians chapter 4, we saw last week that we're being recreated. Notice what it says in verse 24. After the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And even before that, Ephesians 4.15, we saw that speaking the truth in love 
we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So telling the truth not only reflects our righteous God, but it can also lead to the preservation of life. Proverbs 14.25, A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. You know, a witness in court or even out of court can save a person's reputation, can save their innocence, it can keep them safe. Now sometimes speaking the truth causes the other person to see their error of their way and live. Proverbs 28.23, Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Psalm 141, verse 5. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. When someone corrects you, do you consider it a kindness? Or are you so quick to defend yourself that you don't hear a thing they're saying? You imagine they're even 90% right, or 90% wrong, we'll go that way, 90% wrong in their rebuke of you. Well, they're right in 10%. Shouldn't you want to hear that 10% and move your life more in line with the truth? Yet if we want to not just appear righteous and wise, but actually be so, we should desire, we should even invite people to speak into our lives. Thus, telling the truth of course, if it's done in the right manner, is always the loving thing to do. You've probably seen a situation like this. You're at a picnic, and two people have identical cans. We'll just say Dr. Pepper. One uses it to enjoy the drink, and the other uses it to spit his tobacco. And they both put the cups down, and the drinker grabs the wrong cup. If you love that person... You're going to say, whoa, whoa, you just grabbed the wrong can. Now they might get upset with you. They might be the type of person who you know says, I never make mistakes. And yet if you love that person, you're going to tell them, I saw you put yours there and that is not your cup. You know, often the issue of truth is really love. Do we love more what people think about us or will we tell them the truth even if it may mean they won't like us. You're lying in all its forms is always the attempt to love ourselves more than others. Rather than flatter, will you tell them the truth? And this temptation is nothing new. It's not even anything new for Christians. Because as Christians, we're sometimes tempted to soften the message, to sometimes make it more palatable, so we say, for people Yet Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.2, We have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So, Christians, let us put aside all types of falsehood and lying and always speak the truth. Psalm 15 is a psalm that describes a righteous person. And in verse 4, Psalm 15, it says, He swears... To his own hurt and does not change. Your God says righteousness is keeping your word even if it hurts you to do so. You know, it might hurt you financially. You take a certain job 
You promise to do it, and then a couple days later, you're offered a higher-paying job. Now, a lot of us would say, well, I mean, you can't do anything about it. You've got to take the better job. Well, no, you don't. You've got to keep your word. You know, sometimes it might be your enjoyment hurt. You told a friend, hey, yeah, I'll go with you to visit your grandmother in the nursing home. And then the next day, your other friend goes, I just got tickets to the fill-in-whatever-you-love. And you're thinking, funeral home, concert. Well, you made a promise to your friend. And it might hurt your enjoyment. But a righteous man swears to his own hurt. And we could go on and on. You may have read Booker T. Washington's book, Up From Slavery. He grew up right during the time before the Civil War. And then after the Civil War, he was freed from slavery, and his autobiography, Up From Slavery, tells about that time. In his book, he tells of the life of a man who was faithful to his word. The man had made a contract with his master, his owner, and said, I will pay you this much money if you will free me from my slavery. The owner agreed, the master, and he went off and he worked. He worked in the state of Ohio, and yet, eventually, he was freed. And yet, he still owed his master $300. Or did he? Federal government said he was free. Well, this man kept working, saved the $300, walked all the way back to Virginia, and paid his former master back. He no longer had a legal debt. He no longer had a debt that anyone would force him to pay, but he was a man who said, I am going to keep my word. I made a contract. I am going to be faithful. I'm going to swear even to my own hurt. As people who want to reflect God, our word should be our bond. You shouldn't have to pinky swear. You shouldn't have to sign a contract. You shouldn't have to say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. When our words lead to our harm, we shouldn't use evasions. Well, I crossed my fingers. Well, I never signed. Well, we never shook on it. You know, a righteous man swears to his own hurt and does not change. Yet the reality is that when we don't speak the truth, we're hurting more than ourselves. And that's the last point, victims. The victims are the community. Now we could give, and given many reasons, why you should speak the truth. But notice what Paul says at the end of verse 25. He says, For we are members of one another. Imagine if your eyes decided... I'm no longer going to be honest with the rest of my body. I'm tired of always being the lookout. And you know what? I'm the one who has to work all day from the time I'm awake till the time I go to sleep. I'm sick and tired of being rise for the cause of anxiety rising and letting everyone know dangers lurking. Well, if your eyes started lying to you, it wouldn't be long before you'd trip on a rake, get hit by an unaware driver, or knock over your coffee cup. Now, This is, of course, ridiculous. No one wants their body parts to lie to themselves. In the same way, Paul has been showing us over and over, when you're a Christian, you're not just an individual. You are joined to the body of Christ. In chapter 3, verse 10, we saw that God chose not just to save us to be by ourselves, but as a community, the church, to display God's wisdom. In chapter 3, verse 21, we saw that God chose to display His glory in the church. 
And all of this led to Ephesians 4, verse 4, where he says there is one body. And therefore, to be willing to lie to another Christian is as absurd as your eye no longer wanting to be honest with your body. And when we lie, there are three unique victims from our lies, from our deception, ourselves, other Christians, and God. So first, if we lie about ourselves, we are hurting ourselves because we are removing the reality of the help we need. Earlier, Keith read for us Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who tried to act super spiritual by selling land and pretending that they gave all the money to the apostles and the church. Now, they didn't have to sell the land, and they didn't have to give any of the money to the church. The problem was that they were fake. They were inauthentic. They lied by pretending to be more pious than they really were. Now imagine for a second that God didn't immediately judge them, that God didn't immediately make known their lie. Well, what would everyone think in their church community? Oh, there go Ananias and Sapphira. They're a really godly, mature couple. They're so sacrificial with their resources. And they wouldn't know that Ananias and Sapphira are caught in the web of being fearful of what people think of them. That we need people to think well of us and how we live. In other words, they would be lying to, and they would not be ministered to as much as they needed because they had lied about their spiritual state. In other words, their lie would be like going to the doctor when your appendicitis is rupturing and saying, oh, I'm just fine. Every time you tell someone, I'm just fine, when you're not, you're lying and hurting yourself. Now, the solution is not for everyone to come up here and we'll all have a share hour about the things we've sinned with in the last week. It's rather that hopefully you have people in your life that you are honest with, that you are sharing your concerns, your struggles, that you can say things like, I'm really struggling to love my children. Will you pray for me? I'm having a hard time not going to certain websites. Can we talk? I need help. Lately, I've been struggling just to get out of bed and be motivated to do anything. You know, can we be honest like that with one another? Because if not, we are only hurting ourselves. You know, we are sinners, and our sins are not just amorphous things. We sin in specific ways that we need help with. And not only do we hurt ourselves, but another victim of our lies is the church. You know, it's a spiritual blessing to other believers when you have them come alongside you in the midst of your help. You know, when a brother or sister admits, I'm struggling, you know what that does to you? It frees you to go, you know, I'm kind of struggling too. Thus, when we're fake spiritually, we're hurting ourselves and the church at large. Not only that, but we bring potential harm to the church. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. One bad apple spoils the bunch. Or as... We see in the book of Joshua, an Achan in the camp can bring God's displeasure to the whole community. This week I came across some notes from my missionary friend, Richie Goodrich, who's been here a couple times. And he shared a helpful acronym, I think he might have gotten it somewhere else, but he didn't note that, about evaluating how we should know whether we should say something to someone. And it's the acronym THINK, T-H-I-N-K. And if the answer to any of these questions is NO, then you probably shouldn't speak. So first, we should ask ourselves, 
is what I'm going to say true? We've been talking about that mainly. We need to make sure everything we say is true, but after that, H, is it helpful? Will the information help the person I'm telling? If you think, well, it's actually not going to help them, then you probably shouldn't say it. You know, we don't have to say everything that is true. And not every time is the time to say it. Is now the helpful time to say this? And if we only said what's helpful, we'd probably get rid of most gossip. Third, the letter I, is it inspirational? Will the information and the way I share this encourage the person I tell? Now, this is not to try and divine their reactions, but if we share the truth in love, it will encourage a godly person. Perhaps it will inspire them to repentance, but that's a good thing. So fourth, the letter N, is it necessary? Is it necessary for me to tell this person about this? You know, what you saw might be true, but you know, if their parents right there, they probably can handle it. You know, just because something's true doesn't mean we always need to be the person to bring it up. And then last K, is it kind? Is this an act of kindness toward the person about whom you're going to talk? Is your intention to truly help or is it to let them have it, to tell it like it is? You know, if our church community is filled with thinkers in that way, we will be built up and glorify God. In contrast, gossip, lies, distrust will never grow into a community that honors God if those things are flourishing. You know, if we flatter one another rather than speaking the truth in love, we'll never be the type of church that honors God. You know, no community, let alone a church community, can exist apart from truth. So our lies, they harm us. Our lies harm the church and our lies attack God. You know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. When we lie to people in the church... God is part of that lie. That's what Peter accused Ananias and Sapphira of in Acts 5. Why did you choose to lie to the Spirit of God? And God does not mince words about unrepentant lying. Revelation 21.8 says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and that's the kind of list that we often think of. Oh, those are the wicked people in our society. Those are the really horrible people. And then he says, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is in the second death. Friends, your lies are a vice that harms you. It harms those around you. And it harms your church. It harms your relationship with God. Your truthfulness is a virtue that blesses you and others and is a delight to God. So won't you trust God and be truthful in all things? You may have heard of Frank Abagnale. A movie was made about him, Catch Me If You Can. He wanted a life full of travel, excitement, and pleasure, but there was one small problem. He was only 16 years old. He overcame this problem by buying a Pan Am pilot uniform, stealing an ID, and forging an FAA pilot's license. And from age 16 to 18, he flew on over 250 flights as an extra pilot, deadheading as they call it, 
to at least 26 different countries. Not only did he get to the countries, but also he would book to the airlines, the airlines uh, for the hotel and the foods. And sometimes when he was on longer flights, the pilot would go, hey, can you come grab the wheel for a minute? I need to take a quick break. And he said, I'd been handed custody of 140 lies, my own included, and I couldn't even fly a kite. His lies brought excitement. He got to go all over the world. His lies brought pleasure. And yet he put others at risk. He eventually got tired of that, so he forged documents to become an attorney. And then after that, to become the chief resident pediatrician for 11 months. But he then again gave that up, realized he was putting other people's lives at risk. You know, Frank Abagnale was a man whose life was a lie. And he sought life to the harm of others. You know, Jesus is the opposite. He's the man who always lived the truth, and yet his life was given up so that we might have life. You know, why do we lie? Well, we lie to protect ourselves. We lie to promote ourselves. We lie to put others down because in a twisted way it makes us feel better. And yet all of those lies are all about us. It's about preserving us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He gave his life because he was all about not himself, but us. And so won't you seek to honor him? And won't you trust yourself in his hands? That you can tell the truth no matter what? Because he will protect you. Let's pray. Lord, it is so easy for us to lie. You know, it's easy to know the commandment, but then in day-to-day experience, we are tempted to omit things, to flatter, to try and preserve our lives by not even telling the truth. And so, Lord, we cry out for forgiveness. We thank you for your Son who is the truth, who never spoke a lie, and who willingly gave his life that we might have life. So, Lord, would you build us into a community? Would we be people whose lives reflect the truth as you are truth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.